This is our first episode we've recorded in 2023. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, we're getting close to recording our our fourth our fourth our fourth Four anniversary, anniversary episode. Yeah, and uh, any any resolutions, personal resolutions, or or podcast resolutions that people will will hear when this comes out in two months <laughs> in March. Um, I haven't thought of anything. Well, one thing I don't know if this this may be like a personal thing. I was going to tell you i don't know if how, we'll keep it in or not but i was because i was just well, i have editing, i'll be the judge of that because i'm editing this episode because <laughs> okay. I, I was just editing one of our the episode that would have just came come out in january so two months ago for our 101st our yeah with our, our episode where we had uh the big money movie ideas as guests yeah and <laughs> i feel like and i've noticed this uh in whenever we've had that's not how science works as as guests too is i feel like our episodes with guests are always like a lot of fun yeah and i i don't know if it's just like having other people laugh at our jokes um <laughs> like brings a degree of energy to it that just like lightens the whole thing because i feel like i and i have never thought this about myself but i don't know if like maybe we just aren't or at least me i'm like not expressive enough like i'll like say things and give like a tiny chuckle but i don't really like laugh out loud and maybe so i've maybe i should try to be like more energetic and expressive on the podcast but well i think you and i are very um similar like we have very similar like senses of humor and like opinions on stuff like, i think that's one thing sometimes it's like i always love when we do podcast episodes where we disagree because i feel like it happens so Fairly uh, rarely yeah. and and so I wonder if that's like part of it where it's just like because I think we do enjoy each other's uh, humor, but yeah. it oh for sure it's but yeah it's 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 like we we very much are like on the same wavelength a lot of time. So uh, maybe maybe it's just that like if we tell a joke or like have some kind of insight or something to other people, like maybe it's just more surprising. You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe but, yeah. Uh, that's but yeah that's I I you know. Certainly, I, I always love it when you're more vocal on the show because I, I feel like I end up talking uh, a lot of the time. So certainly, you know, if you want to assert yourself in any way, that's that's fine with me. But people should listen to that uh, episode though, and and if you missed our episode with with on their show where we did a monopoly based uh, movie idea, I mean, that was very fun. Yeah, we, yeah, so we kind of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, if you that 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 came out uh, last fall, so you can go back in the in the feed for big money movie ideas and find yeah. uh, Monopoly colon movie edition uh, is the name of that episode. So check that one out too. That was a lot yeah. of fun. Also check out Tomorrow the Void. I've still been meaning to, but I. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's apparently very good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I need to check that one out. Well, they 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 have so many different creative projects going. Kelsey and Andrew do. Uh, so, yeah. uh, if you if you ever like pop over to like their website, which I think is called ghostpartyparty.com, they probably have some new thing that they're working on that you can you can check out. Hi everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. Yeah, and I'm Brady Jungle. You know, actually, that was one thing. If I have a Star Trek resolution this year, it's to finish Voyager. I don't think I'm going to be able to finish all of Star Trek because my pace at watching Voyager has slowed down. Not because I'm not enjoying it, but just because I've been watching 
more movies There's lately. So much to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Although that also that also like happens. I watch more movies. It, 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 I usually watch more movies now. Then I can track it. Like I watch more movies from basically like November through February is like probably my heaviest movie watching time because it's like I live in Minnesota, so it's cold and dark um, yeah. a lot during this time. So you know. Uh, Maybe I'll kick up more TV watching. Um, and I, I'm sure also like once I can feel the end of Voyager coming because we are almost, we are, we are almost done with it. We're we're almost done with season six. I, I was going to ask. I was thinking as we were watching this one, like, what at what point you are in your watch? Like like how close are you to like around this point, or like how much kind of surrounding information to this are you? Well, I guess we watched the one where the the kids join the crew together. Yeah. I think we're about six episodes away from this. I think we I think we have like six episodes before we would have watched this one. But Kim and I just watched okay. this one out of order. So, sure. but so yeah, you're, are, so you're in or no, you're you're so you're not quite in season seven yet, but you almost are. Yeah. When is the last episode we watched? Now I gotta. Now, I wanna, now I'm curious to like look it up. I'll timestamp this in my life. Hmm. Which episode is it? I don't think it was like a really great episode, but have you seen I, i'm not sure when this one falls but like have you seen the one where they go into more of like each backstory uh i think so okay yeah so our most recent episode oh yeah our most recent episode was um the episode where kes comes back fury which, oh okay so yeah. which i think is one two three four so i think there are four episodes between that episode and the episode we just watched for the podcast um, got it yeah so, so you're about to get uh unimatrix zero yeah, which I can't remember if Kim watched it with me because I might honestly just skip watching that one again because that movie was, that episode was bad. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, season six, some ups and downs. There's some really good stuff in it, like uh, live live fast and proper prosper is in it. Okay, um, yeah, blinking an eye, blinking of an eye is in it. Virtuoso is in it. Those are probably my favorite episodes from the season. It was so bef- the episode before the Kess episode is Muse, which Kim thought was really boring, but I thought I enjoyed this one where uh, where Balana crash lands on a planet and then like a poet finds her and starts like writing plays about her. For, okay, <laughs> which I, I thought was good. Kim hates Balana, so that that was our that was already a no go. But um, I, I, although I did think it was funny that that episode is called Muse, and then there is an episode of DS Nine that's called The Muse. Which I was like, oh, all right, boy. come on, guys. You, you, you can do better than that. But uh, anyway, we're not tired to talk about that. We're here to talk about this. This. Oh, what'll happen when we... I guess, what is our... Does our random number generator like include the at the start? Because it's alphabetical now, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to check with Kim. Kim. Kim creates our random number generator. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. We, uh, un- the, the Muse is like, from, from DS9, is... Really, that'll be an interesting conversation because, like, the A plot is like one of my least favorite things in DS Nine, um, mm. and the but the B plot is very good. So um, it's 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 kind of like a, a reverse uh, uh, drive, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one when we, when we finally get to that one. But anyway, though, we are here to talk about anyway. this. Mom, uh, I, for me, kind of nondescript episode of voyager it's called yeah it's called imperfection well yeah it's 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 season seven episode two uh written by carlton eastlake robert doherty and andre bormanis or bormani i'm not sure how you say that and directed by mainstay david livingston um and the memory alpha description is 
Seven's life is put in danger when a crucial Borg implant malfunctions. Well, I was just going to say, I feel like this is one where I, like, had a number of kind of interesting lines of thought that went off as I was watching it, but I don't know that any of them were what they were trying to make the episode about. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, like, sort of bland, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, so this is about, it's about mortality, and, like, Seven dealing with mortality. I don't know. Like, that part of it, I just, like, was just kind of like, yeah, okay, fine. It's a very, like, short description on Memory Alpha, too. Like, if you look at the, at, like, the plot summary, it's, like, yeah. it's very fast. And I just don't think there's, there's just not, like, a lot that happens. happens. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, at the beginning, you think it might go somewhere, and then it's, like, it doesn't really... And we can talk about it, but like it, I, yeah. I was like disappointed that it, like, it really isn't about like Seven as a character. Like it's just kind of about like someone thinking they might be dying, and then like how do you deal with that? And it's like she deals with it basically the same way that anybody would, does. Yeah. you know. But anyhow, uh, wait, why don't, you, why don't you take us in? Yeah. So, so the episode, so the little kind of thing at the beginning that it starts out is that the. So there are the four, four, five, however many the like children that they rescued from a board cube back in the episode collective that we watched not that long ago. Yeah, and it's Icheb and then like these other younger ones, and so they've they've found the parents of I think two of those kids, and then like the other the other one is like going to live with them too. Or I don't know if they found their parents, but they found like their their planet or their species mm-hmm. and so they're saying goodbye to all of these kids except for each who's staying on the ship and sort of wants to like he kind of says in this episode like wants to join starfleet and like become part of the crew and everything and he has gotten kind of very attached to seven as like a, a mentor and like someone he looks up to but as they're saying goodbye to these other ones he notices that like seven has started crying uh which is you know, like something she doesn't do. And she's just like, no, I don't cry. I'm like not emotional about this at all. And so she goes to get checked out by the doctor. And at first everyone's just like, it's okay to cry seven. And then they find out that she wasn't actually crying, but it was, <laughs> it's eight. not okay to cry. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it <laughs> actually is very, very bad. Um, Cause it turns out that one of her like Borg implants that kind of, so they call it the, the cortical node, which it sounds like is sort of the like, kind of like motherboard or like CPU type, like the implant that sort of, makes all the rest of them work which is necessary for her to stay like she's so dependent on her implants that she couldn't stay alive without it is like starting to break down or malfunction seven is like confined to sick bay and they're kind of most of the episode is sort of coming to terms with it like this cortical node is sort of continuing to deteriorate and if she doesn't get a new one she'll eventually die and she keeps being wanting to be like well i need to get back to work and they're like no you need to stay here and rest or you'll get worse and then, so as I'm looking through the memory alpha thing, there's a whole, I completely forgot that this whole part happened. There's like, there's the whole like action scene and everything. Cause they like, have oh, found right, yeah. this sort of debris from Borg cube that was destroyed. And they're like, okay, well, if we can find like a dead Borg, we can take its cortical node and then sort of transplant that into seven. And then these, so they do like, I think a Janeway and Tuvok and Tom Paris like fly over to the Borg cube and pull out the cortical node. And then these like scavengers show up. Yeah. And they like fight with them and they're like flying away and shooting at them. And like, none of that really has anything to do with the episode. 
now that you like i look 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 back on it like these scavengers are like in one scene to create like some tension and then they like escape them and it's fine yeah it just feels like the whole thing is them being like all right we got 40 minutes like (laughs) right and we have this is what we want to do and so like then how do we kind of like fill in the the blanks yeah and so then they they like try to to do that and it turns out that like they can't like the cortical node from a dead Borg won't work because it's already started to deteriorate as well. And so, kind of seven, seven sort of comes to terms with like, or, or she, yeah, I think that's when she kind of realizes like, okay, I'm definitely going to die. Like, there's nothing that can be done. And I, and, and again, like, I think that is where like they really wanted like the crux of the episode to be is just like, how does seven, you know, because she's always been a Borg, and like, how does she deal with kind of that finding out that she's going to die and like coming to terms with her mortality and that. Um, Cause at first she gets, she says she's, I think it's when she's talking to Bolana and she's like, you know, typically like for a Borg, when a drone is deactivated, like every, all of their like memories and experience just get kind of like saved in the memory of the collective. And so like, in a way they sort of live on forever through that. Which I did think was interesting, because before that she says, like, the Borg have no concept of an afterlife. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I find it kind of ironic that, like, this the, the species that doesn't believe in an afterlife is actually the one that has, like, the closest thing to a, like, sort of verifiable, yeah. like, actual life after death. Well, what about that one episode like, where Bolana goes to Klingon hell? Uh, that's that's true <laughs> well that that's but i, mean, I think that's implied that it's this, like kind right? of and she's still like oh i don't know if i'll like well i think there I, is a klingon afterlife or not yeah i mean i think that they don't actually say this really happened but but yeah that it did make me think about that episode though because like which i think is better yeah because blana is the one that she's talking to about it yeah yeah cause, yeah yeah like that i was like that was weird that they did that she didn't mention that like what in that conversation because that happens before this right like i i, I went through this exact same thing we're like yeah. yeah, I feel like they also do kind of like point out how often like Bolana is also like cooped up in sick bay. Yeah, because because basically like the doctor comes looking for Seven and Bolana like helps Seven hide from her because she's like, yeah. oh like I've I've been in your shoes too and it it, it kind of like you well, she hates the doctor like, too kind of I do feel like there are a lot of episodes where it's like. Something's wrong with Bolana. We got to keep her in sick bay, but she doesn't want to. Yeah, I think um, I, when we were watching, I mentioned to Kim, I was like, "Yeah, Bolana wants to help her." Because she's like, "Yeah, one time I had to like lie in this on this bed with like a fake <laughs> bug like, attached to my face for like a whole episode." Yeah, there's the one time she was like trying to commit suicide by hologram or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think my issue with this because. Well, I guess go on. Like, like so. So basically, like at the end, like they want to do this organ. They want to do this like organ transplant, right? But it won't it won't work. But it might work on Ichab because he's younger. Basically, right? Is that that's kind yeah, of yeah? He's like, well, you could if you take out my cortical node, you'll have like an active living one that you can give to her, and I'm young enough that like I could probably live without. Like I can adapt to live without having one, and they're like, well, no, that. Like there's a super high chance that it would kill you, and like the the risk is too high, and you're a child. How how old is Ichab? I was like yeah, trying to. Look Kim was wondering this. that too. I think he's like I I felt like he was like he's like 15 to 17 in that yeah, like in that area. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I get. And also like I'm pretty sure, and again like I'm trying to remember from like the episode where with his parents and that like 
how old he was when he was assimilated too because like was he like just like a teenager like this old as like a person and then like just got assimilated or was he assimilated as like a baby and then no i think he was been in like a like pod this whole time he was assimilated pretty pretty young, but like remember like there's another episode where like he meets his parents and like his yeah like and, and so like he wasn't he wasn't like were. a baby, okay. but he he had been in there for a while a while though yeah because like so like he's also like developmentally like younger than his like physical age right sure because that's I mean because that's that's like you could say the same thing about seven in a lot of episodes right they kind of deal yeah. with that that like she was. A, like little girl and then had been a borg for her whole life but like hadn't gone through the like human social interactions and development of like 20 years of her life mm-hmm. but yeah but like can he make this decision <laughs> i don't know i, I mean, don't think he can like i i don't know uh well i mean he can obviously because he does but apparently <laughs> he does and jane was just like yep we got to do it i guess <laughs> i this is i i feel like a very much this this was my main thing with this episode was was Janeway but well um so I have a I have a medical question for you so like sure like what what's what's the uh what's like the the what what do they say is like the percentage the percentage survivability rate to each according to each calculations it's like what is it like 60 or 75 percent or something like that like it's it's like it's over it's over half but it's not like great sure and so like I was wondering like is there like a you know, not not that you would ever be in this like specific situation, but like, is there any kind of like threshold for like transplants like working slash not working on either one end or the other where like you just wouldn't do it, like, or is it a case by case thing, or like how how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I don't. There's not a like specific like again because like there's not a like sort of numerical kind of cutoff because you can you can't like perfectly predict that. But transplant is one of those interest, like especially like transplant from a living donor is one of those interesting things because there's always like some risk to the donor no matter what, right? Because like they have to go through surgery and you have to remove either like an organ or part of an organ. So like yeah, right? Like even if you're taking out a kidney and they still have a normal working kidney, it's not a like it is kind of the a sort of weird thing in kind of medical ethics because you are like you're doing harm to someone with no benefit to that person, right? Like the person donating is not receiving any benefit. They're only receiving harm or risk. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so, yeah, you like, basically it's, it's kind of like, if that risk is anything other than like the absolute minimal amount, then you like, won't do it because you, cause like the last thing, like it's, and again, there's kind of like the sort of, way that the ethics is approached right now is that like it's more like there's more kind of importance put to like not making a healthy person worse than there is to like potentially making a sick person better uh-huh. and yeah and like you're you're always doing that to like some extent but if it's anything more than like the absolute minimal amount of risk like so, so you're saying that even even if Isha was like a fully consenting like adult like you wouldn't you wouldn't do this? Do, no. Okay. I wouldn't, like, do something that, like, could, like, has it had a very real chance of potentially, like, killing one person to save another person. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you, 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 I get that, like, and it, and this is where it does kind of get 
sort of weird and ethics are strange and kind of that because like then it becomes kind of like a trolley problem almost sure and but like and but but yeah like you it's one of those that like you can look at like from a sort of statistical standpoint and be like well she has like a hundred percent chance of death if you do nothing and he has a 20 percent chance of death if you do something but yeah yes medically you would never like intentionally harm someone or like seriously risk their life sure for that um but yeah so like (laughs) that whole like the whole thing with each of like i i get the like it works in a story and and kind of the way they get around it is that he's like basically he does it to himself like he like shuts off his own implant and then like calls the doctor being like well my implant's off you better put it into her before you run out of time and we both die mm-hmm. um and then and again the doctor the doctor and jane we were just like well guess we have to now so yeah that's one of those things it i don't know it makes like some emotional sense to me where it's just like like if, if something was happening to someone who i loved like you know i would i would i think i would probably be um yeah, like willing to take to take a risk for myself, risk. you know. So it's like I sort of I sort of understand that. Like again, even if it doesn't make sense in a real life way, like this is one of those. Yeah. This is one of those. I mean, yeah, and I, and I do absolutely believe like that's probably true of most people. But yeah, I think like there is kind of that when it's personal for you and like emotions get involved. Like, is that the actual like best choice or just like the one that you emotionally are gonna make every time? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is an interesting kind of thing to, to wonder about. Well, so you were saying, you were saying like that Janeway was like the thing for you in this episode. But what what do you mean, like yeah, positively I mean, or negatively? It, what's that? Positively or negatively? I mean, it, I think mostly just in a like Janeway gonna Janeway uh-huh. type way, and it, it it was less in like this part and more like earlier on. There's a scene. Where, where, like, she and the doctor kind of get into an argument. Because basically, like, after they found out that the, like, a dead Borg node isn't going to work, she kind of suggests, like, okay, well, what if we, like, raid a Borg cube and, like, take a live Borg and take out its implant to give it to Seven? Oh, right, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> and the doctor's like, no, no that's called cannibalism. <laughs> um and 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 I think in that like in that scene specifically, I think they do like they do kind of get into like Janeway is like getting too emotional and like kind of like go, like considering going to extremes for her crew that like would be unethical. Yeah. And there's even a scene later on also where with Seven and her, where basically like Seven tries to argue to her that like you care more about me or like are willing to whisk, risk more for me than like anybody else on the ship, like plenty of crew members have died sure. and like, you're okay with that. But like, you aren't willing to let me die. Yeah. Which is like, again, like kind of a recurring thing in Voyager, right? Is that like, yeah, the number of times, that, like things they do just specifically to save seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but which is so funny. Cause I think that like seven makes like an, a good point, but also it's just funny because not, not that I don't think that like Jerry Ryan and, um, came over like didn't like each other, but I know that there was just like some. I mean, I think they didn't for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely some weird like, prof- like yeah you, professional seen, like, tension, you with know. Jerry Ryan, yeah, where yeah, yeah. Apparently, they like they were always very good on screen together, but like yeah, the actual like people 
I think, like, did not have a, like, fond relationship. Yeah. And, like, understand, you know, from what from everything I said, heard, like, like, I get why, like, you know, like, like, with, I mean, we've talked about this before, but just, like, yeah. for to be, like, this... This the first woman driven like Star Trek, and then to like have like another woman come in and basically take over your show, like yeah, and you're like no longer the star of yeah, your show. Is um, I get it, but yeah, but yeah, but like they do they do have like a good like on screen you know yeah they, chemistry. I mean they're both. Like, I feel yeah. like I I really enjoy both of them as actors, mm-hmm. um, which is one of those reasons that like, but yeah, and and even that like they kind of talk about it, and Jane was like, well, no, I think you're wrong, but. I, and I think we, we kind of touched on this a little in our Prodigy special, actually, but I feel like the show doesn't all, like, I can never tell if the show understands what makes Janeway interesting. Because I, I feel like, like, my kind of interpretation of Janeway as a character, and, like, I mean this with, like, all love for Kate Mulgrew as an actor, and, like, again, like, I find Janeway one of the most, like, fascinating, and, like, I really like voyager and i like janeway but like i think it's not a stretch to say that like she is the worst starfleet captain of any of the like people on any shows yeah i i, I said i can't judge i couldn't judge archer yet um sure um uh, but but yeah i mean i i would say like to, to I me i would say like un- unequivocally she is like she is the worst at her job of the first yes four of, of like doing what a starfleet captain is supposed to do yeah and I feel like that could be a really interesting premise of, like, she's always very, like, well, like, she wants to do the right thing and, like, means well, but, like, like I feel like the Janeway thing to do is to go to, like, extremes that she really shouldn't go to because she, like, can't stand the possibility of, like, not succeeding or, like, losing someone on her crew. Yeah. And, like, she's all, like, she just feels like she's, and, like, in a situation right because she's like out in the delta quadrant is in a situation she was never supposed to be in but i feel like the show a lot of times presents her as like no like she's just cool and like this is like what she did was actually the right thing it turns out yeah this is this is like i think i have less patience for this than you do because i think because maybe i've seen all of ds9 because like cisco does some pretty like ethically questionable stuff and also it's just kind of like prickly at times or just makes the wrong decisions but like the show actually like i think kind of allows you to like live in that in that space a little bit more like like you know there's a very famous like it doesn't try to tell you like like and our heroes win again at the end yeah like there's there's like a famous famous episode of ds9 called in the pale moonlight which is basically about how Cisco kind of makes himself a half willing, half like kind of looks the other way to like an act of terrorism, like like to in order to get a military alliance that is needed for the Dominion War, and like that's what the whole episode is about. Him doing that and being like like kind of and and then him kind of being like yeah, I did this, like, and I guess sometimes you have to make hard decisions, but, like, but, like, you're not, like, it's, it's a very, like, you know, he, he's kind of having the, he, he gives this, like, monologue to his personal log, which I think then he, like, deletes at the end or something, but, like, and it's kind of him being, like, I don't have any regrets about this, but, like, clearly he 
does and like you are supposed to like feel like ambiguous about it you know like the and and like the show does there's a whole episode on like this thing and and that kind of thing he does that a lot yeah. like when he and when you know when he starts the show like he is in like a bad place in his life you know because his wife was just killed in wolf 359 and and like and so i don't know they give him so much more and i like kate mulgrew i don't think there's anything is on kate mulgrew but like I think they give him so much more, uh, like, shades of gray there, whereas I feel like... Yeah, like, like ability to be self-reflective. Yeah, I feel like so much of that stuff in Voyager, like, kind of has to be, like, projected onto the text, which, to me, feels generally like it's just kind of... It's not really questioning her um, her competence, you know, even though... yeah. I, I think, again, she is, like, probably... she Like, in terms of, like, if I went through and, like read a synopsis of every episode and like said like and read and would say like do i agree with her decision like i mean i'd still agree with her decision most of the time but like it would be a lower percentage i think than any of the other any of the other yeah and i i I do agree like like you said that like the show a lot of the time doesn't like ask you to consider that it like may have like even if you do end up agreeing with the decision that it like may have been a like hard one or like a situation where there wasn't a good decision you know what i mean yeah like i feel like a lot of times there's like it you can make a sort of like realistic situation where like this is a tough decision to make and like no one is gonna feel good about either thing but like someone has to do the thing that like isn't necessarily good but necessary type thing yeah yeah and i think a lot of times it more just concludes of just like well that was a tough decision but aren't we glad that we have such a great leader that did the right thing and brought us through it yeah yeah but but yeah like it's even i don't know like i feel like i don't know if you remember the episode equinox where they run into like the other ship that oh yeah great that's a great episode the delta quadrant and has been like you know like taking these alien life forms and killing them for energy yeah that's that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite episodes actually of this of the show i think probably yeah but i feel like even that like it could have been so much more interesting if you really leaned into like how close Voyager is to like falling off that knife edge at any given time. Yeah. Right. That like, that because they are like, because the premise of Voyager, you could do so much with like, right. They're like stuck out, like in far space in a hopeless situation alone. Right. And so like every decision you're making, like you can so easily kind of go over that into like, well, like, this is like a thing we had to do for survival because we had no other choice. And then like that led us to have to do this other thing for survival that I think if you like went, like pulled that parallel a little further, where like Voyager, like is always kind of a hair's breadth away from like there for the grace of God. Sure. Turning into Equinox. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, I have this weird relationship with Voyager where I think like the show that I have projected onto it is much better and more interesting than most of the time Voyager is, which... Well, again, I, I I honestly think that, like, it's kind of like a magic trick because, like... And this is like this is the thing about, like, we, we, we've spent so little time talking about this actual episode. But, like, yeah. this, is, this is, like, the thing of this episode to me, which is that, like, the thing that is, like, disappointing about the episode is that it's just... It could be this. This episode really doesn't even take, need to take place in space, or like it's just, or it doesn't. It doesn't have to take place about any specific character because basically it's just like a person thinks they're dying, and they have to come to terms with it, 
and mm-hmm. and they have to come to terms with like that they think that they didn't make an impact, but actually they did make an impact, and people yeah, but like them. people, like but like everyone will like remember them. But like it doesn't have anything to do with like her at all. Like 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 it doesn't have anything to do with Seven as a character. It's just kind of like a thing that you could just say about anybody. Like like if Tom Paris got sick, then th- this same thing would happen, except for that he would need like a liver instead of a cortical right. node, and 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 but. At the same and time, presumably, no one would really care quite as much. <laughs> but uh, the but at the same time, the thing that I think elevates the episode somewhat, like above just like bog standard, is that is that like the the cast of the show for some reason, Kim and I talk about this a lot. Like I don't know because like Kim Kim is like DS Nine objectively a better television program, but she likes the cast for Voyager generally speaking like a lot more especially like your especially like your high-end folks like your like robert picardo and yeah like yeah like seven doctor chakotay tuvok janeway you know um and and she likes them a lot more than the cast for ds9 and like i don't know like they they just really like they they punch kind of above their weight class and that's true of this too where it's like this would be a very just kind of boring thing and it was in a lot of ways except for that like jerry ryan is a good actor <laughs> like and so yeah she's just like there having to like sell all of this stuff and she generally does like you know and and i was kind of annoyed by like what the episode the episode's ambitions which seemed very low but i was like yeah you know machines can sell this or like even like you know i think i have i like neelix a lot more than i think the most people do um mm-hmm and I think he was very th- sweet in this one. Yeah, he is. He's a big sweetie. Like, like, it, like. That's actually the only note I wrote about this episode is that at one point he just he offers seven a. He's like, let me make you a Talaxian omelet, and I was like, why wouldn't you just call that an omelet? Like, you know, that's. Uh, I don't like. No, is anyone going Isn't that around like a to French you? Word? <laughs> well, well, but is anyone going around to you, Neelix, and being like, let me make you an Earth omelet? You know, like. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, because it's like where he's from. I didn't even. Right, yeah, because yeah. he's from he's from he's Claxon. But anyway, um, yeah. you know, like that that scene where he's like, where he's like, oh, I just wanted to play kind of Scott with you to cheer you up, and then he's kind of like, oh, you know, and then the, he and the he and the doctor do this kind of like, yeah, well, dog and pony show. They're like, oh, like, yeah, in state, and, yeah, yeah, and she and she like takes the bait, and I don't know. It's just like they're just it's just a good. I think I think that's, but I think you know, going back to your overall point, like I think that's just like the that's the thing about the show for a lot of people is that like it's a good cast like it's it's that's true that's true of that's true of tng too i mean tng i think is a much better show than than voyager but like yeah but but yeah those first two seasons are rough stuff and even still like you and i have gone back and watched a good amount of like season one in particular and like there's a lot of bad episodes in season one but also you're like ah but you know like patrick stewart yeah, that Jonathan Jonathan Frakes, uh, Brent Spiner, you know, like, yeah. or somebody who I like, who you know, we're we're going to talk about her probably a little bit in the next episode we're going to do, but like someone who it's like not one of the better characters on the show, uh, and with Rosalind Chow, or no, no, and, and not one of the better characters on the show, and and like generally speaking, doesn't get very many good things to do, but like I I think that like Marina Sirtis like what a thankless job and yet like going back and watching a lot of the shows for the podcast i'm just being like ah, i like her like 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 she is 
trying yeah. really hard have, to make like this something. This might be something I ask you like off air, but yeah, I have a weird thing with Marina Sirtis. I don't know, mostly just like her voice. Yeah, sure, I guess, but I don't know. I just like I like that she's like really trying to like bring this humanity. But, yeah, no, this I, thing I she's agree. doing. I think she and and, and, and like, again, like is especially like as like a like woman lead on a show in like the very early nineties. Yeah. Like has like was was not yeah, was doing like so much more than she was being like given the opportunity really to or asked to. Yeah, she's I mean she's in a weird way she is like a proto seven character where she is this like very like overly sexualized being and she's just like, Alright, well I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna, gonna try to elevate this material, you know? And I yeah. and I don't think she does as good a job as Jerry Ryan, who is probably the best female character in Star Trek. I, I, we, my, that would be my assertion anyway. Uh, but like, it, yeah, it, it just, it's, it's, uh, I think, I think just like, that's why I think, especially for a lot of people who, who grew up watching Voyager, I think that's why it has, it, it holds the, maybe like, maybe like an outsized role in their hearts is because like, it's a charming cast. Like they, yeah. they, they, they got a good team together, you know? So, um, yeah, and that's kind of what I felt about this. I was like, you know, this is not my favorite, but you know, everybody's everybody's putting in the work. You know, maybe the writers maybe weren't putting in the yeah. work, but the cast is putting in the work. So, is there anything else about this episode we wanted to, we want to talk about? Because I feel like we we've, we've mostly just been talking about Voyager, Voyager as a whole because there's not like a lot of stuff to say about this. I mean, like yeah. the surgery. Big surprise: the surgery works, and Seven is alive. Yeah, Seven end. survives, and so is and so is Ichab. Ichab also survives. Ichab, yeah. you know, who will later on be murdered in a horrific manner in in Star Trek: Picard. Uh, he, he really is not on the show as much as I was led to believe he would be. Oh yeah, no, he's one. Of, like it's not like he like becomes a like main cast member or anything. It's just like there's here and there an episode about Ichab. But yeah, he basically becomes... I don't know if like the actress playing Naomi Wildman was getting too old or something, but he becomes basically like... Fills the same role that Naomi Wildman did for a long time. Just like person that sometimes talks to Seven. She was in an episode recently, though, she, uh, the, that I watched. She was, she's in... Um, she, she's in she, yeah, the, I think she's... She's in the Kess episode. That, uh, she's, in, she's in the Kess episode, so she doesn't like go away. But Yeah. Ichib is in 11 episodes of Voyager. And he's in really one, is that all interesting? Yep. And he's in one episode of uh, he's in one episode Picard. of Picard. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he's mostly in season seven because um, looks like he is in yeah, he's in four episodes think, of season six, and then he's in uh, seven episodes of season seven. I think the only other couple like small things I had, I, I will like a positive I will say about this episode is I I was actually pretty impressed by the visual effects in this one. Yeah, they were pretty good. Like when they, when they, like the number of times that they do the like, sort of like taking the cortical node out of somebody's forehead, mm-hmm. like actually I thought like looks really good. Yeah, it's kind of unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, where they like open up this little like, like like pull back some skin and then open a little sort of like trap door and then like pull out this like cylinder and then you can see you know kind of this like hole that it was in like down into someone's forehead yeah yeah again like i think looks very good for the time even the like the the makeup they do with where like seven's kind of skin is peeling back and you can see like the like metal underneath it yeah like i feel like they do a good job of like the depth of that where it doesn't look like something stuck on top of her skin it does actually look like there's like something 
exposed behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought a lot of good work on that. The other, so there is a little Easter egg that I kind of stumbled across on this episode. Uh-huh. Um, where, so in the the scene where she's like telling Janeway, you know, like you care more about me than anyone else. And she pulls up on the screen a like list of all the people that have died on Voyager. Yeah. And it, it it's, you know, one of those things where like, I think this is more a thing in TNG, but where anytime there's like a computer screen, the props department would like put a bunch, put kind of little Easter eggs on it. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, well, like it goes by too fast and it's too small that no one's going to be able to see it on their, you know, TVs in the nineties. Yeah. And then after it got like remastered, people like paused every frame, but yeah, which, so, like, which the will, first, which will still maybe never happen to the show, unfortunately, but go on, go on. Right. So like the first, I think like three or four names are the ones that she says out loud that are actually like characters that did die at some point in some episode of Voyager. Yeah. But then the rest of the names on the list are all uh, characters from the West Wing. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it's like Jay Bartlett, like L. McGarry, <laughs> like Claudia J. Craig. Um, huh. Which, again, like someone, I guess. That's funny to think about to these, that these, those shows are contemporaneous, but I guess they were, yeah. Yeah, I think just barely, right? Because like this is season seven, but this was in the year two thousand. So yeah, like, didn't West Wing start in like, like the first season of the West Wing? Nineteen ninety nine or two thousand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it started in nineteen ninety nine. Well, I guess two thousand. Clinton is still president. Like it's yeah. That's very. Yeah, that's was, that's not like a that's not a show time. that would get started in the Bush years. Uh, the West Wing. It's <laughs> no, very, no, no, no. Very very like nineties end of history thing. Yeah. I was uh, I was I was on Ichib's memory alpha page because I was just looking to see how many episodes he's in. Mm-hmm. And we've seen three of his episodes now. We've seen this one and Collective and Human Error, which is one of the very early episodes we did. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was in that one, yeah. And, uh, but, so I was, I was, I smiled to myself because I forgot that I have one more Q episode to watch um, that I haven't watched yet because Q, yeah, Q2 yeah. is in season he, he, seven. In so I, that makes me very happy because I love Q. Um, and then... And then something made me sad. So in the the, the apocrypha section of of Ichab's, um, uh page on Memory Alpha, it says, in the massively multiplayer online role playing game Star Trek Online, Lieutenant Commander Ichab can be seen serving aboard Deep Space Station K seven. On March fifth, due to the character's death in Star Trek Picard, Ichab was removed oh, and replaced no. and re- was removed and replaced by generic Vulcan NPC. <laughs> Oh, that sucks. I do remember him because I played that game a little bit back, like years ago. Yeah. Um, and I do remember like him. Yeah, like being in like there's like a mission where like he like pops up and like gives you a quest or something. That's terrible. That yeah. They took him out. I've I've thought about playing that game, but I I just don't have I don't have time in my life to play an MMO anymore. Yeah, th- they're just yeah. That's the thing. But. Anyhow, there's you know, I, I, we probably talked about this in the show. I can't remember, but like the there were a bunch of like in the '90s there were a bunch of DS9 FMV games or like things that are kind of like FMV games, full, full motion really? video. <laughs> like, and I've I would I would kill to play those games. Like, I I would love to play like an old DS9 video game, but you cannot play them anywhere. Like, it makes me very sad. I did find I forget where I found it. I played a couple years ago. I played. Um, Voyager Elite Force, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Which is like a fairly, like, I mean, it's a fairly good sort of like Doom-like first-person shooter from whenever, from like the late 90s. Mm. But like, 
the wild thing with all of those games is like for most of them they got like the actual actors to do like record a bunch of voice work for him like that one at least i know has like quite a bit of like tim russ and jerry ryan and yeah that's that's why that's that's why i want to play these ds9 games is because like i I remember like seeing them because it was like oh yeah and jg hertzler and 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 you know avery brooks and stuff like they're doing voices like there there are four different there are four different video games based on ds9 there's ds9 the fallen which is a third person shooter this one's about there are it's about it's about you have to protect you have to like protect these orbs that could resurrect the pro, the paw wraiths so you have to keep them from 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 happening uh, you have to keep them from being like found. Um, I'm trying to figure out who you play as. Uh, yeah, you play you play as like the crew of DS9. So Cisco is not voiced by Avery Brooks in this one, but like but Michael Dorn plays Worf and Nana Visitor plays plays uh, Kira and. And oh, Renee yeah. plays Odo, so like there's a bunch of bunch of those people, you know. And there's DS9 Harbinger, which is yeah, Avery Brooks is in this one. You have to like go investigate like a newly discovered race in the Gamma Quadrant, and yeah, there's Crossroads of Time and Dominion Wars, and I would like I would love to play these. Yeah, the yeah. Dominion Wars is like a is like a real time it's like a, it's like a a real time strategy game, and okay, yeah, and Crossroads of Time is like an action adventure game. But anyway. Uh, that was like a super man. Oh, you know what? That's a super NES game. I bet you I could get that and download it on my. Um, I have a I have an analog pocket, which is like a fancy Game Boy. Oh yeah. Oh, I should total. I. All right. Well, I know what I'm going to do after we get to recording. <laughs> I'm going to be getting this. Uh, anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, I would love to do that. If, I, uh, pretty soon, I think that the new Star Trek game is going to come out, which I will definitely buy, I, well, unless it gets really bad reviews. I don't know that I've heard about this. One. Oh, really? It's um, yeah. Well, there's a there's a Prodigy video game that came out last year that I've thought about buying for the kids because they ended up really liking, really liking Prodigy. But uh, what is this game called? Um, Star Trek Star Trek Resurgence is what it's called. Hmm. Yeah, it's like it, it's. I think it's like a. It's not like a full shooter, but it's like I think there's some action elements in it, and um, it's coming out in April allegedly. At least that was it got pushed to April recently, and um, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. Maybe that's what we should talk about for actually. You know what? Like, yeah, let's let's talk about this okay. for our next episode's uh, cold open, just because yeah. we're getting kind of long and we, we need to talk about this now. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We come out every other Sunday. Uh, and, and so you can go back and listen to our old episodes. Uh, we are on, on any podcatcher. Um, our website is outofcontracts.podbean.com. Our email address is outofcontracts.gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also check out the other shows in the Classical Media Podcast Network. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's That's Not How Science Works, which is a science and pop, pop culture podcast. And there's Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Uh, So yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.